Amen, amen. <clears throat> you could tell that uh, you could tell that Mr. Earl loves Miss Carol because he was rubbing her shoulder, patting it. I love that. Oh, I believe strongly in PDA. Uh, especially if you're married, I believe in public displays of affection because Jesus publicly displayed his affection for us. Amen. So I'm with you, Brother Earl. You're a man after my own heart. Amen. Well, why don't you turn to 1 Peter? That's where we're going to begin again this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2. I wanted to encourage you. We, we did that video because we wanted to, our connect groups officially kicked off last week because we met here corporately. But they kick off again this Wednesday night. And I know some churches, you know, uh, do things on Wednesday nights at the church. And, and others have small groups during the, during, the, during the week and at other locations. But for us, it's always been a vital part of what we do. Uh, but our culture uh, is resistant to that type of an atmosphere. Not by nature, you understand, because by nature we've been created to be relational beings. But by cultural uh, exposing, the culture exposing us to certain things, religion telling us certain things, we've gotten away from meeting from house to house and breaking bread together. There's something that happens, I've always said this and I'll say it forever, but there's something that happens when you sit down and you eat chicken with somebody. There's something about fried chicken that just, you know what I'm saying? Getting y'all hungry for when we get ready to go eat. There's something about breaking bread together and eating together and fellowshipping together. That's just a vital part of, what, of not only what we do, but a vital part of the New Testament. And in the book of Acts, when the church started, that's how they started. They met in the synagogue, but they met from house to house. And so I can't tell you enough. I can't say to you enough, the vital part of what we do is really threefold. We meet here on Sundays. We meet at houses and, and in smaller groups on Wednesday nights. And then the one-on-one, -on -one, just real intimate, personal relationships, that's how we grow. That's the New Testament model. And so, we, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So we just stick to it. So I encourage you, if you do not have a connect group, Come and check out one of the three connect groups that we've got. One of them meets here, Carol and Earl's group. They meet here on Wednesday nights. Casey and Michelle's meet at their house for the month of August, right? Just for the month of August. They meet at their house, and you can call the church and get directions. And then Barry and Ina's group meet at their house as well. And so I can't encourage you enough to... Try it out. You're not going to hurt their feelings if you go, and then you go to another one, and you go to another one if you don't like it. That's fine. Listen, it's like not everybody likes fried chicken. That's fine. Not everybody likes cookies. Not everybody likes... It's different flavors, different, different um, atmospheres. So just try it. Amen? Will you do that for me? Amen, amen. Well, why don't you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and once again, just join together like we've done. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done this morning corporately. Lord, we thank you for the corporate anointing. Father, the, the corporate anointing that only takes place when we come together. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for your word. 
I thank you that as we now take a few moments just to open up the Word of God, Lord, I thank you that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. The Lord, that I would speak that word in season that is due. Not what I want or what I see or what I think, but what you direct me by the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for that. I release, I yield myself to the Holy Spirit that lives within me right now in the name of Jesus. Take your Bibles and just say this with me. This is my Bible. It's my Bible. It is written to me. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I declare, whether I believe it or not, but I'm going to declare it by faith that I am what it says I am. I am what it says I am. See, you say that long enough and you will believe it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, sometimes you've got to condition your heart. Sometimes you, no, that's not right. Sometimes you've got to recondition your heart. In other words, you've got to get a mental picture. You've got to understand the, rec- the word that keeps coming to me that's been coming to me all morning has been recognition. There's a recognition. There's a recognizing that takes place. And you may not recognize that right now. You may not, you may not completely and totally understand or even somewhat necessarily 100% believe that you are what this Bible says you are. But by you making a conscious decision to line your mouth up with what this word says, come on somebody, you're reconditioning your heart. I am am. what it says I am. am. No matter what the world says, no matter what you have experienced, this is life, guys. This is life. I I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do, and I can have what it says I can have. I am, let's recondition our hearts, you ready? I am a child of the Most High King. I am a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm royalty. Well, you know, you got to be careful because you don't want to say that too much faster. You know, you might get the love of money. I am royalty. I am precious, fearfully and wonderfully made. That means that I'm good looking. I'm beautiful. I am doesn't matter what my mama said. doesn't matter what my daddy said. It doesn't even matter what your stepdaddy, what your stepmama, what your uncle, your grandmama, your grandma. It doesn't matter what they say. I am beautiful. I mean, for the men, I'm good looking. Y'all know what I'm saying. Just fill it in. God don't make no jump. I believe I will receive everything you have for me this morning in the name of Jesus amen amen
Amen. You may be seated. 1 Peter chapter 2. Hallelujah. 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 1 Peter chapter 2. The Lord is, uh, I guess this would be part two of a new series that we started last week called The Priesthood of the Believer. I think if there's one, uh, not one thing, but if there's, if there's a couple of things that I've seen in the body of Christ as, as I have grown up and as I've walked in church and walked around uh, believers, if there's, if there's a couple of things that I've seen that have been kind of your top five uh, things that are diminished or watered down in the belief system of the church, the modern day church, this is one of them. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And I think the word that came, the word that was with us last Sunday was, are you common? Are you, how are you carrying yourself? Are you carrying yourself as someone that is common or someone that is uncommon? And it, when you say, I'm not common, it doesn't, you're not saying that from a, a position of pride in what you're doing or what you have done, but you're saying that from a position of what he's done for you. It's a recognition, that word keeps coming back to me, it's a recognition of what God has already done for us. You know, half the battle, if not most of the battle really in our lives is recognizing what God has already appropriated for us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not trying to get God to do something. I guess I'm going to have to take that one slower than I thought. We're not trying to get God to do something. You're not trying to get God to make you into something. You're not trying to become something. You're simply trying to recognize what God has already made you and then walk in the light of that reality. Uh, years ago when I was involved with a ministry on, uh, at college campus uh, called Campus Outreach, one of the things they used to say all the time that stuck with me is the secret to Christianity is not in doing, but in being. There's a, there's a performance mentality. We talked about that last week. This is a reality mentality. You don't have to try to get God to love you any more than he already loves you. You don't have to try to prove your love to God any more than you already have because you could never prove your love to him enough because it never was about you're proving his love. You're proving your love to him. It was about him proving his love for us. And that's already been done. See, true love doesn't take into the account. It doesn't matter what you feel about me. I love you, period. And that's what God is saying. He loves us. He's created us. He has made certain realities available to us signed, sealed, and delivered, and we just simply have to recognize and walk in the reality and in the light. We have to walk in the light of that reality. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you, everybody say me, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. See, it's one thing to be called. It's another thing to walk in that calling. Uh, no. It's one thing to be called. Let me say it this way. It's one thing to be called. It's another thing to answer the call. Ring, ring. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's one thing to be called, but it's another thing to, to, uh, to answer it. Call, call my phone real quick. Many are called, few are chosen. We've heard that, that's in the scripture. Well, what does that mean? That means that many are called, but who are the ones that are chosen? Are they special individuals? Yes, they're special because they did what? See, y'all going to leave here. Y'all going to remember this now. This is called illustration. Hello? Yes, Lord, I'll answer the call. It's one thing to be called. It's another thing to answer that call. Then once you answer the call, what's next? You've got to walk in the reality of what was been told to you, what was been made available to you, what has been appropriated for you. We are a chosen generation. We're not common. We're uncommon. We're a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. See, there's two distinct things there. You are a king, but you are also, or a queen, but you are also a priest. Now, in, in the Old Testament, the priestly system was set up so that there could be a sacrifice and an atonement made for the sins of man. Even in God, you know, sinners in the hand of an angry God. You know, like God's been so mad with us that we jacked everything up in the Garden of Eden, you know. God loves us so much that he even set a temporary propitiation for our sin, a, a temporary covering for our sin, even in our state like we was in the Old Testament. Until the time could come to the fullness where Jesus could come and take care of that once and for all. And he knew that. And he desired for the children of Israel to know that. And so in Exodus chapter 19... Turn there. Exodus chapter 19, this goes all the way back to the very beginning of it. In Exodus chapter 19, he says this. He says, verse 5, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure. Now, you know the word peculiar, that we are a peculiar people that First Peter talks about? That's that same word. Same identical word. He says that we are a peculiar people. In other words, that there was a specially made sacrifice specifically for us. So people look at us and they call us peculiar, not because of our individual personalities, traits, and quirks, although all of you have them. All of us have them. <laughs> Inez is like, come on there, Pastor, you got yours too. All of us have our own unique traits and our own personalities and our own quirkiness about us. That's not the peculiarity that distinguishes us. It's the fact that the angels and the demons and people look and go, 
you did what to, to purchase these folks? That's the peculiar. God wanted to make everybody know in the land that Israel was his special prized possession and he wanted them all to know it. Why? So they could then proclaim that good news and bring people. He has always looked for and always will have a remnant of people that will do and say and be exactly what he's called them to be. Are you that remnant? Are you peculiar? Verse 6, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He said that in Exodus. He said that before the blood of Jesus was ever shed. He said that to cast the vision and say, You will be to me my own special kingdom. You will be royalty and you will be your own priest. You will be priest. You will be the ones that have the right to stand before me as if sin never existed. A priest was the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies. He was the only one. And he had to go through a ritualistic time of, the, uh, of cleansing. And he had to wear linen. And this, the veil that was from top to bottom was so thick because it, it had the very presence of God in the Holy of Holies. And the priests were the only ones once a year that could go in. And they had to go in like this because the glory was so strong it would have killed them. And they put a, uh, they put a I'm glad you reminded me, they put a chain around, a rope around them so that when they went in, if they fell dead, they could pull them out. Because nobody would dare go in there. We've, we've interpreted that as something bad. As if to be in the presence of God, if you're not right, He smites you down. No, that's just the reality. How can light and darkness mix? It can't. But see, you and I, are those kingdom of priests and we can now stand in the very presence of God as if sin never existed. You are, we are a kingdom of priests. We are His own. And that's the reality that we need to walk in. True authority is always related to a walk in relationship with the Father, of which comes purity and consistency in worship out of that relationship. You can't teach somebody how to worship God if they don't know God. I'm going to stay right there. You cannot, how can you worship somebody you don't know? Come on, everybody, come on. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm being, you know, like we did this morning. Come on, everybody, come on down and just worship the Lord. How can we worship? Jeremy, how can, how can people worship a God that they don't know? They can't. You don't know Him. What was the first thing? What is the first thing that you teach a, a, a child, a baby? What is the first thing a baby learns? Who is mama and who is daddy? who her mama and who her daddy is. That is the first thing that they learn. And they learn that to such a degree where it don't matter what environment they're in, when she's hungry, they want to eat. Uh, my children are getting older. I've tried to figure out a way that we could slow that process down. 
I ain't figured it out yet. Lord, I'm all for redeeming the time and speeding it up, but can you slow that one down just a little bit? I've told them all that their birthdays from now on, we don't go forward, we go backwards. But there's, there's something that, that, that happens in the life of a child that they become so uh, confident in their relationship with their parents. I know my children do. We have to teach them about respect and honor because they take that, their experience with us, and they use that in certain environments that they shouldn't. In other words, they can be rude. It's not that they're trying to be rude. Now, once we train them, yeah, I know. Once we train them, then they try to be rude, you know, because that's just the flesh, the nature of the flesh. But I told, like I told, my, uh, like I told a friend of mine the other day, there's something about this area right here <laughs> that helps to curb that. You know what I'm talking about? There's a switch. My grandpa used to say, you know, this is, you can't hear something, but there's a switch right there that makes this work better. <laughs> but there's, there's, a, there's a, uh, a boldness about that. Okay? Now take that and now identify it with God. How can you worship someone you don't know? So what is the first thing that a believer, a new believer needs to learn? They need to learn who their daddy is. You and I will never walk in the level of authority that he has designed and predestined us to walk in if we don't first get to know him. He's not after your loyalty. He's after your heart. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. Now, money is a good way to get to your heart. It's, but it's not me taking your money. It's not him taking your money. But when you willingly give your money, you're giving him your heart. Time is another one. You want to see somebody's heart? What do they spend the majority of their time doing? Somebody said working. But they're working to provide, working to make a living for their family. Okay, how can you worship somebody you don't know? That's why the first thing, and, 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 and I'm in, in the process of, of uh, I'm in relationship trying to disciple, trying to coach, trying to mentor someone, and they, they're getting all their ducks out of order. I mean, they're, they're, they got six wagons in front, and they ain't no horses strapped to nothing. It's like you're, you're trying to push all this. I said, just stop and just let your daddy love on you. There's a recognition that takes place. And when you realize and you recognize and you experience, like Laurel said this morning, you experience the love of God in a tangible way, won't nobody have to ask you to come up front. You just come. Because you, man, he loves me. I don't really care what y'all think. He loves me. I'm going to worship my daddy. So all of that takes place in the, why did he say a kingdom of priests? Because a kingdom of priests need to have direct access to him, and he's calling us to that access. We will only experience the promised power for evangelism and spiritual victories as we prioritize and grow in our relationship with him. 
Well, I got to study, you know, I got to study this word so I can know the word. That's wrong. That's wrong answer. It's good to know the word. I know a lot of people who know the word. I know a lot of people who can quote the word a lot better than I can quote it, but they don't know it. Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things and, and didn't we cast out demons and didn't we move mountains and didn't we raise the dead? And he said, yeah, but I don't have any idea who you are. In other words, your gifts and your talents will work because God's not that kind of a giver. He gives it and it's over and done with. You got it. So if you're musical, you've got that in music ability. If you're a, a what environment you, you put it in. If you're an artist, you're always going to be artistic and you're always going to see. If you're a prophet, if he's given you the spirit and the heart of the prophetic, you'll prophesy cussing people out. You'll prophesy and you won't even know what you're doing, but you'll do it. And if you're evangelist and you don't know the Lord, your evangelistic fervor will call you to bring people into whatever it is that is on your heart. Your gift will work without God in it, but it will never work. It will never it will never be firing on all cylinders until you step into everything that God has for you. The Bible says that your gift will make room for you. Your gift, not you. Your gift will make room. In other words, as you line up with the reality and recognize what God has done, then now your gift will begin to open doors without you having to do anything. But all that comes through relationship. That's why connect groups are so powerful. It's not a Bible study. I've told all of my connect group leaders, I've said this, I said, I don't, I don't really care what you talk about. You know why? Because I want you to make a connection. That's what I'm after. Because I know them. I trust them. I know they're not going to take people off out towards the edge, and if they do, we'll reel them back in. But they won't. Why? Because the goal in the heart is to make a connection. Because you can't make, you can't stand, you can't walk in everything that God has for you till you make that connection. You've got to make that connection with Him first. Everybody say, a kingdom of priests. Now, Luke chapter 4. I'm going to focus on two passages of Scripture, and then we're going to close. Luke chapter 4, this is what's been rolling around in my spirit all week long. Lord, how, what, what you want to say? Luke chapter 4, Jesus comes back after being in the desert for 40 days. Verse 16, so he came to Nazareth where he has been brought up. So he's in his own hometown. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So he came to church and he had something, he had a word, he had a, something on his heart he wanted to share. And as he was handed the book of the prophet, so they handed him the Bible, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to, those, to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That was Jesus, glory to God. And then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant. So he gave it back to Langston. 
And all the eyes were fixed upon him in the synagogue. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearts. And they wanted to stone him. Can I let you in on a little secret before we go on to the other passages? He was talking about you and me. You could put your name in there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Lawrence. Spirit of the Lord is upon Mama Cleveland. The Spirit of the Lord is upon David. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Ryan and Sandra and Robert and Hannah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Jeremy. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us, for he has what? What does that mean? Anointed. You ready? The origin of the word anointing, now I never knew this before now. I never knew this. What I'm about to tell you, I've never seen this before. But now this is right here is going to light your fire. If this don't get you all excited, I don't know what's going to have to pray for you after service. The origin of the word anointing was really from the practice of shepherds. Lice and other insects would often get into the wool of sheep. And when they got near the sheep's head, they could burrow into the sheep's ears and kill the sheep. So ancient shepherds poured oil on the sheep's head. This is made with made the wool slippery, making it impossible for insects to get near the sheep's ears because the insects would slide off. From this, anointing became symbolic of blessing, protection, and empowerment. The Spirit of the Lord has oozed and poured all over us making us uh, non-susceptible to insects and bacteria. Why was the purpose of that anointing? So that we could take and rub off on everybody. Come on now. This This is the part I like. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus... He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But the Spirit of the Lord is in you and in me. All right, let's do this. Go to 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to give you a couple of verses. 1 John chapter 2. Jesus said, actually, turn there, and I'm going to turn to John 14. You don't have to turn to John 14. You go to 1 John 2. I'm going to turn to John 14, and I'm going to read to you what Jesus said. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you see Jesus well you're telling me that Jesus wasn't filled with the spirit well yeah in one sense I am because the Holy Spirit had not come yet now Jesus 
was the propitia. He was the fulfillment of all the prophecies. But when Jesus was walking and Jesus was talking on this earth, you still have to be careful that you interpret what he says in light of the Old Testament and not necessarily the New Testament. That's why he says if you don't forgive your brother, he won't forgive you. But the Bible says me, he's forgiven me of all my sin because that promise had not been validated yet. It had not been signed, sealed, and delivered with the blood of Jesus. So you have to discern, is this pre-Jesus' blood or post-Jesus' blood? So Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he was. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus as a man. He wasn't just God, but he made himself of no reputation and took on the form of man. And so the Spirit of God came upon him. But he said, I need to leave. I got to get out of here. And they said, but Jesus, why? We don't want you to leave, Jesus. You're here with us. And he said, listen, it is good that I leave. And they were like, you crazy, Lord. What's wrong with you? You're here with us. We can touch you. We can see you. We can feel you. How is it that you say it's better for me to leave? He said, because if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit won't come. And so he said, listen to me. I'm not leaving you orphans. I'm not going to leave you without a helper. He's going to come, and he's not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you. That means now you ain't just covered in the oil. The oil comes out of you. You sweat, and oil comes out of you. That anointing, that yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God is inside of you. Well, I don't feel like it. It don't matter. It's in there. You may not feel like you're full of blood, but it's in you. You don't believe me? I got a knife right here. Come in. I'll show you real quick. Just cut yourself right there. You bleed just like everybody else, and everybody bleeds the same color. Isn't that funny? Black people, white people, Asian people, Indian people, Muslims, Christians, Arabics, girls, boys, blondies, redheads, no hair, old people, young people, we all bleed the same color of blood. Well, guess what? you got the same life power anointing inside of you that Jesus had upon him, except it's in you. Now, the New Testament Greek word for anointing comes from a word which means to smear or rub with oil. Same thing they used to do with them sheep. Everybody say, <laughs> And by implication, it means to consecrate for an office or religious service. In Bible times, people were anointed with oil to signify God's blessing or call on that person's life. We've done that. We do that from time to time. We'll anoint people. Why? Because there's magic in the, po in the oil, there's potion? No, because it's a point of contact. It's, it's a point of recognizing. It, it gives people a, a recognition of what happens when you do that. And there's something that Jesus always used points of contact when he would minister to people and heal people. When we lay hands on people and we set them apart for ministry, a lot of times we'll use oil. Why? Because it's, it's symbolic. Why do we take communion? Because it's a point of contact. You know when you eat the bread and you drink the juice, there ain't no power in that juice or that bread. There's power in the activated faith that grabs a hold of that bread and makes it turn into the reality of what Jesus did on that cross. 
So when you eat that bread, you say, by his stripes I'm healed. So when you eat that bread, I mean, if, if the bread had healing in it, why wouldn't we just pass bread out to everybody? No, it's the faith that puts the contact on that bread and says, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And then the blood. What, why don't we drink grape juice? Why don't we drink wine? It don't really matter. You could drink water. It don't matter. Because it's not about the juice or the substance itself. It's about the point of contact that when you drink, I'm holding my little fingers because we always do those little bitty cups, you know. When you drink the juice, it's a point of contact. Of, it's, it's a point of recognition. Everybody say recognition. It's a point of recognition where you say, my sin doesn't mean anything no more because it's been painful. So a person is anointed to do, and it's not a magic potion. It's not something in the oil. It's a point of contact. Another word for the meaning, uh, another meaning for the word anoint is chosen one. Jesus was chosen. You're chosen. First John 2.20 says, I mean 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21 says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. In God, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now, I'm going to say this. I know I'm jumping around. Just bear with me because it's all just, I'm so excited. I can't understand it. Salvation itself, the reality of salvation has not yet happened. The Holy Spirit was given as a guarantee. So we can take that guarantee. We can take that guarantee to the bank. In other words, you are saved in principle. You are saved as far as God's concerned. You and I are saved. We're born again. The realities of that now we walk out. But the full culmination of those events won't take place till Jesus comes back and raptures the church. But the realities, the, the being able to, okay, here's, here's, here's another word. Okay, the, the deposit has already been made, so you can go ahead and make withdrawals. You can go ahead and access everything that we have. That's why the enemy hates it so much, because the reality of it is this. He has no power. He has no authority. And so we access those benefits now, and we can tap into all that benefit now in this life, not in just the life to come. Well, in the sweet by and by. How about the sweet now and now? How about his promise for us? How can we be priests and how can we stand in the gap and show people and demonstrate the love of God to people if we got to wait till we get to heaven to experience it? It's too late then. People don't need God's goodness in heaven. They need it now. People don't need healing in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. That's why people say, well, they got healed. They went to heaven. No, they died. And they went to be with Jesus. People don't need healing in heaven. They need healing now. People don't need provision in heaven. They need provision now. You need provision in heaven? No, you need it now. You need the realities of that, of that, that birthright now. You need the realities of that birthright now. We need the realities now, not in the sweet by and by, now. And I'm telling you, that's how we access it. You're anointed 
You're a kingdom of priests. You carry with you the royal authority of God himself and the priestly anointing to be able to stand in the holy of holies without having to make a sacrifice because it's already been made. He, this is the picture that I get. It's like a daddy who is so excited and wants his children to come give him hugs and sugars. That's what we say at my house. Come give me hugs and sugars. Not cheek sugars. We want lip sugars. He wants you to come hug him and love on him. But we stand out in the, in the courtyard and we won't come because we're afraid. Because of what religion has told us or what the world has told us. And I get this picture of a daddy who just said, if you just come, I, come to me, all you who are weary. He said, if you seek me, I will find you. You will find me. If you draw near unto me, we sang that song. I used to have a problem with that song, you know, pull me a little close. I was like, why we got to pull closer, Lord? He said, if you come near to me, I'll draw near to you. Well, I was like, pull me closer then, Lord. When you say, pull me closer, you're drawing near to him. He just needs a crack in the door. He just needs just one excuse to come to. I mean, sometimes it's just you're so afraid of salvation or you're so afraid of getting filled with the Spirit or you're so afraid. It's like you're sitting there and you know the Lord's moving you. Go up to the front and worship. Go up to the front and get down there on that altar and I'll take care of it. He's drawing you. And it's like you just, all you need is just one little crack. Just step, just stand up and the power will come and you come and everything will be taken care of. God is the, is the ultimate um, opportunist. In other words, he sees an opportunity, he goes after it with all his force. He sees a good investment, he goes after it. All you got to do is just give him a flicker. Just wink at him. I'm, that's all I needed. That's all I needed right there. Because it's, you know, I'm embarrassed. Listen, he's not embarrassed that you're embarrassed. And it don't bother him that you're embarrassed. He can help you with that embarrassment. Just say, Lord, I'm a little embarrassed. That's all you need. Lord, I don't know. My, you know. We, we've asked, you know, people Wednesday night, we asked them and said, if you have it on your heart, if you've been a part of our, you know, if you've been a part, this is not for you if, you if you just started coming and you're not sure, you're still trying to fill us out. I don't know about this Pastor Lawrence or whatever. Maybe I don't know about these elders or the church or whatever. I'm not talking, I'm talking about it, but if you consider this your home, I've asked, I've said, if you have it on your heart to host a connect group or even lead a connect group, let me know. And it's like people are, mm, it's, it's like they're scared. It's like, I just don't know. All you need is just a little, all right, Lord, I'll try it. That's all he needs. Because then the anointing, then the power, then the equipping comes. He just needs one just, I mean, just. First John 2, you there? You should be. I gave you plenty of time to get to First John chapter 2. First John 2, 27. Uh, let's start at verse 24. Therefore... Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If, you, if, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. The reality of that is not yet in here because we're not yet experiencing 
that culmination of that event. We're living, we're going to live forever. We're living eternal life, but not what he's talking about right here. Ready? These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing, the smeared on, rubbed on, yoke destroying, burden removing, power of the living God, which you have received from me, says the Lord, it abides in you. And you don't need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things as it is true, and it is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Listen to me. God's purpose for my office, the office of a pastor, evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles, and prophets, the fivefold ministry is for the equipping of the saints. But we don't function as a priest. We don't function as a go-between. We function according to Romans. It, it, it says, Romans, it says that as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Which means when I say something and I declare something and preach something to you, if it doesn't bear witness in your spirit, then don't entertain it. People used to say this to me. They used to say, well, I'm going I'm to say something to you, brother. And if it don't bear witness in your spirit, just put it on the shelf. No, I, I don't have enough room on my shelf. I got enough stuff on my shelf. If it don't bear witness in my spirit, I, it's not. And, and here, here, here again, this is what the Lord is not. In, he has not suffered from an inferiority complex. He says things all the time and people don't receive it. Does that bother him? No. He just go after you another way. Send labors across his path. That's why we spoke, we're not supposed to get frustrated for people. We're supposed to pray for people. <laughs> Lord, he frustrates me. He won't listen to me. I'm not talking about it in the natural. I'm saying if Langston was, you know, an unbeliever or somebody. Lord, I tried to me. He won't listen to me. Why am I getting frustrated? All right, Lord, I just pray that you send laborers across his path. And so then Mama Cleveland comes and tells him, straightens him out, right? That's what we're supposed to do. That's the office of a priest. And guess what, guys? <clears throat> I'm going to close with this. Guess what? Because you are royalty, uh, you don't have to pay your own way. Because you are a priest, God's got your back. He's covering the tab. He is. Whatever he's called, that's why I've said to people, if he's calling you to do something, then you don't, it shouldn't come out of your pocket. And I'm not saying that you don't sacrifice. I'm not saying you don't give. Listen to what I'm saying. If God calls, I'm going to pick on somebody else. If God calls Kevin and Trish to do something within the kingdom of God that he has put on their heart, then he is responsible for funding that. Now, if they come up with something that they want to do, they're responsible for funding but even if that's the case, I've seen cases where people come up with stuff that they want to do, and God, because of his mercy, he'll just step in and fund it for a little while and get you back on track. If you have to use a credit, if you have to use a credit card to pay for what God's called you to do, then maybe you need to reevaluate what God's calling you to do. Provision comes in the will of God. 
Provision comes when we obey what God's called us to do. And it's a growth process. It's a step-by-step process. It's not something that's overnight. But listen to me. If God's calling you to do something, whose responsibility is it? Unless the Lord builds the house. Wasn't that last week? It's His responsibility. All we got to do is do what He says. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you. You ready? So I'm going to try to wrap this thing up in 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 a pretty bow. We are called, anointed, chosen, special, peculiar people. We're called to go into this world and rub on people. We are. We're we're sweet smelling aroma. You should go into places and people go, and you smell good. What is that? It's Jesus. I'm serious. We are called, listen, you are equipped. You are equipped and have all the, the, that you need on the inside of you. You may not know how to use it. It's like you've been given the keys to all this heavy equipment and all this stuff, but you don't know how to use it. Well, that's where we come in. We help you. We train, help, equip you and train you. Maybe you feel like you're a prophet and you don't even know what to do. You see things all the time. You go to bed, you dream. You wake up, you dream. You see things. You hear words. It's just like, oh my God, I can't. Then you need to come spend some time with the prophet. Maybe you will just see something you want to, you, you just all, every time you, you just can't help but share Jesus with everybody. You're just always talking about you, or you're always wanting to do. You need to spend time with an evangelist. That's what we're called to do. We're called to equip. But listen to me, every one of you, every one of us is equipped. When you leave this place today and you go to wherever you're going to go to eat, you are equipped to look at that waitress or that waiter and go, I want to pray for you because I got some smeared on, rubbed on power of God that I want to release on you. You know, like Mr. Miyagi. That's what you and I are called to do. I cannot express that to you enough. You are equipped. You are called. You are able. Sometimes it's just stepping out. If you've been born again for one second, you're equipped. Uh, let me say it this way. You're called and you got all of it available. You just don't know how to use it. Well, just It's fine. If it gets messy, it's all right. We'll clean it up. Pray for somebody. My God, just you don't have to call us. Just lay hands on somebody. I'm just going to try it out. I'm just, you know, your foot hurt. Can I pray for you? Jesus' name. God is not, well, you got to say, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I now speak. No, you ain't got to do all that. I mean, if you want to do that, you can. You don't have to pray like Barry. I love it when Barry prays. You know why? Because everybody prays the same. Not everybody. I'm simply you get to hearing everybody. And then when Barry prays, he says, have I not said? I'm like, yes, you have, Lord. (laughs) Is it not written? Yes, it is, Lord. I saw it. Go on, Barry, with your bad signal. 
Langston stands up and he begins to prophesy and you know the walls start to vibrate because he's like, come forth. And you're like, yes, sir, I come in Jesus' name. And then little old, a little Miss Laurel gets up there and she says, and then she like raises 10 feet off the ground in this thing. He loves you. He's got your bag. And I'm like, glory, she's about to explode. You've got it in you. You've got it in you. All he's needing is a, is a, a point of contact. And those people out there, they don't know about all that. And you may be their only point of contact today. <laughs> and you don't know what to say? Well, just say, is it not written? Have I not said? If you feel like, you know, just, he loves you, he's got your back. I mean, sometimes we just need to say something. It's like, What's the uh, how do you what's the easiest way to steer an automobile? Turn it on, and do what? Steer it. Put it in drive. Hit the gas and go. You can plan your trip all day long and get your GPS. But until you put the car in drive and get out of the driveway and start going, it's fine. If, listen, if you mess up, Siri's smart. She'll reroute you. Rerouting. Turn around at the next light. I'm like, honey, can you, can you shut her up for a second? I can't think. This fine. The Holy Spirit to go rerouting. You shouldn't have gone down. That's okay. I got that covered. Grace, grace, grace. Well, you prayed for somebody and they got mad because you prayed and spit on them and your breath stink. It's okay, grace, grace. We make it so, you know. Well, Lord, I messed up. I said something I shouldn't have said. It's all right, grace, grace. Somebody else, like, you know, uh, Brother Bill will come along because he's real sweet and nice. And he'll say, it's all right. You know, the Lord loves you. Langston sometimes will be like, don't you know that God told you to do that? And you're like, mm. That's all right. That's what he's here for. They balance each other out. Just put it in drive and go. Recognize that you are called and anointed and a chosen people. You've got the burden removing, yoke destroying. Stand up. You've got it inside of you. Come on, stand up. You've got it inside of you. We've got it inside of us. You know, I get this thing where, you know, you get those little glow balls, you know, and they got the little snow and you shake them up, you know, and the snow's everywhere. I want to shake you up and then break the bottle out there in the community so that you go and you can now just get people sloppy wet with the anointing of God. It's not you. He uses you. But it's not you, it's the anointing in you. But in one sense, I could say it like this, it is you because there's certain people that will only respond to you, but it's still Him using you and your connection and your relationship with them to ooze that life-giving, burden-removing, yoke-destroying power into their life. Everybody say, chosen generation... I'm royalty. I'm a priest. I have the right to step into the throne of God 
without any shame, without any guilt, just excitement. Because I have a right to be there. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the anointing that removes the burdens and destroys the yokes. Thank you, Lord, that we are anointed. The anointing resides in us. We have no one that needs to teach us because we have the anointing on the inside of us that teaches us. And I thank you, Lord, that as we are being taught, that that same anointing that's in operation in that teacher or that pastor or that evangelist or that prophet or, or the uh, Christian or the person who may not even be saved, that they're speaking things out. The same anointing that resides on the inside of us will confirm what it is that's true. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. I don't want to embarrass you, but would you come, would you mind praying for us, Shakiria? Would you come dismiss us and pray for us? <laughs> I know I put I put you on the spot. It's all right. You got it. Step on out, girl. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we come before your throne of grace right now, Father, just thanking you for this time of fellowship that we've had today. Father God, help us to recognize that we do have that anointing. Lord God, help us to do what it is that you're asking us to do and step out on faith. And Father God, we ask that as we leave this place that you would give us all traveling grace and mercy and let us know that you love us at all times. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'll get you. I'm going to get you now.